In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about Ben Simmons showing up to the Wells Fargo Center unannounced. Just ridiculous. What the next phase of this circus could look like, and then give some of our impressions of the preseason so far, including the fact that Isaiah Joe needs to be in the rotation. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We've had a couple of wins here, a couple of preseason wins, a a nice bounce back win over bounce back like anybody really cares. A a, a win over the Toronto Raptors in a rematch, and then a win over the Brooklyn Nets when the Sixers were down pretty much everybody on the team who could dribble, which admittedly is not all that many, but they obviously had no Ben Simmons. They had no Shake Milton, no Tyrese Maxey, missing a lot of players, but uh, Tobias Harris, who can sort of kind of dribble a little bit, uh, and they were left with starting a backcourt of Furkan Korkmaz and Isaiah Joe. Pulled out a big win over Kevin Durant, James Harden, and the Brooklyn Nets. But that is not what we are going to talk about, lead this, this episode off with. Abe we'll talk about it a little bit, but nobody really cares, and unfortunately, I wish I Cared. Yeah. Maybe we'll start caring in the regular season a little more. A, because it's preseason, but B, because that never-ending story got yet another update because that is the hell that we live in. But other than that, Rich, how are you doing? I'm good. I, I wish I didn't have to care about this, what we're about to talk about for the next 23 minutes. Because, you know, the Sixers got a couple of meaningless preseason wins. Great. They're about to get a bunch of PR losses, a bunch of... Crazy stories. Uh, this is, uh, buckle up. This is about to be uh, a pretty bumpy ride. <laughs> you, you say that like we haven't just spent the last two months living in this, but yeah. Well, it, so it's you, okay, but but like, like let's let's call it what it is. Shit is about to get real. Yeah. So Ben Simmons showed up, and it really is. He just sort of like showed up. We were sitting there at the Wells Fargo Center watching the game against the Nets. And word came down, you know, earlier in the day, both Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, our own Sham Sharania, both reported that talks were progressing towards Ben Simmons returning to the team. Oh, they were progressing all right. Well, then, uh, what was it? Third quarter, maybe? When did we get when did we get the, the Woj bomb? Second quarter? Was, it doesn't matter. In the middle of the game. That was two days ago. In this yeah. news cycle? I mean, come on. I can't remember that far. In the middle of the game, uh, we got word that Ben Simmons was 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 here. He, like legitimately in the Wells Fargo Center. I don't think we knew that at the time that he was in the Wells Fargo Center, but that he had reported. Not only that, because he can't just report in a normal fashion, Sixers didn't know he was going to show up until he showed up. And then we found out later from Woj that the way the Sixers found out was Elton Brand got a text message being like, Ben's outside. I, I don't even really know how to process that in a... a, a, a Saga with many twists and turns, that is definitely a weird one to cap off that leg of the saga. But after have, have you ever have you ever done that, by the way? You ever just show up somewhere without telling anybody? Like an Irish hello? I think that's the way you put it on our, our walk yeah, out of I, the practice facility earlier today. An Irish entrance. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've Irish exited. Oh, all the time. Irish goodbye parties. is definitely a thing that I do. Yeah. But 
But if you, you know, for a work thing, for... Certainly, I don't think for a work thing, no. That would be weird. Yeah. Would be I weird. mean, it's it's not like, you know, if you have a nine to five job, you have to tell everybody you're showing up to work that day. But right. But for, for like a significant event, if you've been gone for a while... But if I told my boss, hey, don't expect me in the office for the foreseeable future and then just show up that night. Like, no, I haven't, I haven't done that. I don't have a direct correlation for that, but no, I don't, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. Have you? That would be I don't think, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, yeah, not for anything that I'm getting paid for, not for anything significant like that. Maybe, maybe I showed up at the bar unannounced or something like yeah, it that. Yeah, might have been like I, your friends you are know. like, hey, we're going out, do you want to go? And you're like, yeah, nah, I don't really want, and then like a hour maybe later you get a little yeah. FOMO, like maybe that might have happened. Sure. Sure. Um, this was Okay, different. so that's what, that's what we're comparing this to. This Showing is, up at a bar. When when Woj said that, I mean, it just it blew my mind. I mean, that was one of the funniest. It's easily the funniest thing he's ever said <laughs> from his reporting. It was not, not, and that's, you know, he's terrific. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he, he had trouble keeping it in for that for that report. I mean, it's just. And look, that that is legitimately funny. I, I think you, you took a lot of joy out of that. It, it's clear. <laughs> I laughed. Pretty hard when I heard that. Okay. Tomorrow that's when weird. I get to the practice facility, I'm just going to text Elton and be like, hey, I'm here. Can you let yeah. me in? I'm here. We should all so, start so, texting Elton. So that was really funny. So it's good. We got some, uh, I don't know, does that qualify as gallows humor? I don't know what the, the exact term of that is. Maybe maybe it's just really funny. But it's about to not be funny. Okay. That's just, that's how I'm putting it. It's about to be draining. It's about to get ugly, I think. Uh, so, and I have no idea what's going to happen, but I guess, uh, you should fill everybody else in on the timeline because you're, you're doing that right now. Yeah. So he, he went, uh, you know, he, he met with, uh, Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey a couple of times there on Tuesday. He then had, was scheduled to take part in an individualized workout on Wednesday and could theoretically be cleared, uh, to rejoin the team as early as Friday. Now, if according to Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, and this is in the health and safety protocols, I'm just going to quote directly from her article. A player who is fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and who is entering the team environment for the first time needs to return at least one negative result from a PCR test facilitated by the team before interacting with other players and tier one staffers, according to NBA protocols obtained by ESPN's Bob Marks. An unvaccinated player must return two negative tests before returning the facility and participating in individualized workouts where no other player is present. If the player returns two more negative rapid molecular tests, he could then be cleared to interact with teammates and staff. So again, Friday, is that four days going back? Ben reported on Monday, got his first COVID test. Wednesday, he was scheduled to have an individualized workout with no other players present. Friday, he might be cleared. We don't know anything for certain, but you can read those two, read that report along with the facts that we just stated, which Doc Rivers told us, and come to a conclusion, which is just very, very disappointing. And look, I'm not going to get too deep on this. There's a lot more reasons that Ben Simmons is disappointing, but that is very, very disappointing if two plus two is in fact equal to four. Wow, that's that's just great. 
turn of phrase there. Nice, nice work on that one, buddy. Uh, yeah. And also Doc Rivers said that the whole team is not, he would not say the whole team is vaccinated yeah, back is disappointing. at training camp as well. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see on that one. Well, eventually Ben Simmons is going to have to talk to the media if he is in fact going to play, which I guess sort of brings us to our next phase of this conversation. So Doc was obviously asked about, you know, integrating Ben back and, and whether or not he expects him to play. So one of the questions that came up, is he here for procedural reasons or is he going to play? And Doc then sort of asked what the reporter meant by procedural reasons and is he here just so he doesn't get fined or is he going to play? Doc then said, I don't know that. I'm assuming he's going to play, but who knows, right? I don't know. I can't get in anyone's head. Oh my God. And I think the way Doc sort of took it was, I think he focused a little more on if he was just here for procedural reasons, but he did start it off with, I'm assuming he's going to play, but who knows, right? So that's maybe not the most reassuring answer. And I think Doc has a little bit, especially after last year, where he, he kissed Ben's ass for so long. I think Doc right now has a little bit of Joel Embiid in him where there's like just 15, 20%, a little too honest, maybe even more, maybe like 50%. Doc is either on one extreme where he's like, you all are just making stuff up or he's on the other extreme, it seems like. But maybe talk a little less like that. I can't imagine that's going to go over too well. Uh, he then said, uh, what else? Uh, is his preference still to be traded? Doc says, I don't know. I think he's voiced that, but we'll see how that works out. He was then asked whether or not Ben Simmons' heart is in it, is is in playing here in Philly. I've learned one thing. I don't ever get in another man's head. I really don't. I actually get on my coaches when they tell me during a game or during practice, I think what he was thinking, and then Doc stops him, and I always say, you don't know what he was thinking. You only know what he did. So the fact that he was here and he showed up and he conversated, all I know is his actions was that he showed up and he was here. By the way, I, I asked him two days ago before the game, are you concerned that he's not going to be all the way bought in? And his answer to that was, no, I'm right, not concerned. Right. So if, if you want to know, like, if Doc Rivers has a consistent answer here, he, he does not. He does not. And there's a reason why you wouldn't. Honestly, you could ask Doc Rivers, are you concerned about anything? And I think the answer would be no on that. At least I, I did. Like, are you concerned about world hunger or something like that. And I think he probably is, but he might say no just because you phrase it with, are you concerned? So I think it's pretty clear that doc doesn't entirely know what he's going to get out of Ben Simmons. That Ben is a little bit of a wild card here in that regard. And I think that's fair. I just don't think you necessarily want to vocalize it when you've got a player that you're trying to convince to stick around. I, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think that's, that's true. And now we have the situation where like, it's a legitimate question of what the hell is this guy going to do now? Yeah. And I think Jake Fisher, uh, old colleague, Jake Fisher, formerly of long time ago, formerly of uh, Liberty Ballers and another LB alum now of Bleacher Report. I believe in his article he had today, he had a number of things, but one of the things was that the Sixers internally do not know whether or not Ben Simmons will play. And they're just trying to get him cleared and through protocols. And then they will move on from there. So like you said, there could be some fireworks here coming. Could be a little bit entertaining. Can which do you think he's going to play? Forget about what Doc has said. Forget about what others have reported. Do you think he's going to play? I I don't know. I mean, it's again. I'm like Doc. I can't get into this guy's head. I I think that uh, 
I think he is going to play. Yeah, I do. It, it would be really tough to hold out when you're around the team for this long. Like, if you're going to do that, why, well, I can't imagine the Sixers would pay him to come around and not actually be around the team. What, and what, just and what does he Philly? do? Does he does he pull the injury card too? But I, I don't know if you can pull the injury card anymore after you you pull the brazen holdout card. I'm not I'm not sure what you could do. Like maybe I I, I don't know. I I definitely think uh, I I believe you, them when they, that when they say they want him to play. Oh sure, I believe that I do too. But but I also I I would hope for their sake they're going into this thing with eyes wide open that him playing has a very good chance of oh, curse just just being a fucking shit show for a million reasons. It could. It could. And I think and, and could is probably not strong enough. Like it it has like a 50/50 chance of being well, ma- maybe more than that. So like what what do you mean by shit show? Like what what exactly are we getting at here? Does he try? Well, no, I think that's pretty far out the window. I would be surprised if he gave at least consistent effort. Like I think at some times, like your 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 competitive instincts might kick in, but I think it will be up and down for sure, for sure. Is he bad enough where it's just impossible to play? Even in the regular season, he would have to give pretty low effort to at least not be a a rotation player. Like his effort would have to be like complete shit show. That's look. That, I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, I think. Obviously, I think the, I think he's going to get booed in his first game if he does play. And again, because I, I don't know. That's why I struggle with that question. I, I really do not know what is going to happen right now. I agree with Doc. I, I, I am not inside this guy's head. And we have, unlike Doc, we have not talked to him. So we don't know what is going on. Uh, I definitely think the first game is going to be the ugliest atmosphere we've seen for a home player ever. If they had any sense of what they were doing, his first game would be on the, on the road, right? Like, you're not going to bring him in for the first time in Philly. Well, I mean, if he if he clears protocols, he could play next Wednesday in uh, New Orleans. You know, I, th- I think he's you got to play at home at some point, unless you're Kyrie Irving. But, but uh, oh, he's not playing it on the road either. And and good on them for that decision too. Good on the Brooklyn Nets for for making that call. Okay, so so that's one thing. Does he try? Is he uh, is he a pain in the ass in terms of behind the scenes? I, again, we have said for a while that uh, that we don't think that is his necessarily his personality. And somebody brought this up to me. So Jimmy Butler, we have not had that in Philadelphia. We we got Jimmy Butler after he did that in Minnesota. T.O. is the Philadelphia comparison to that. Oh, sure. T.O. was the pain in the ass yep. after doing the sit-ups in the, in the driveway and all that stuff. Does he do that? Uh, outside of that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I really just think it's like his buy-in, his effort level. It, it's going to be the, the noise surrounding it is going to be ugly. It, it could be better if he plays hard. Like, I, I do think there is a a world in which the the outside noise, if Ben Simmons plays hard and they win at a top three seed level, yeah, he's still going to hear boos. Nobody is going to trust him again in Philadelphia. But I think like all things, it will die down a little bit. And hey, maybe that helps him get traded. I have I have no idea what the right move is. Like, do, do you play hard to make your trade value better? Do you just tank it? So, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. I, 
he's got all of these options ahead of him. And it's, I, I guess, to wrap it up, because I'm rambling now, um, it's like we said a couple weeks ago, what is the bigger distraction? It's him being here. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I think, I, I like, I get why Daryl and Doc want him back. I think part of it is because I think they want to win games while they find the right trade partner. It's a big part, yeah. Especially with Brooklyn being so much uncertainty there with the Kyrie situation. I think they would like to be a two, three, four seed instead of a six seed. You know, I think they believe if they can get this to where it might be awkward for the first couple of weeks, but if you get it, you know, I think, I think Daryl very much wants to get this to December, January, February. So the trade market can be stronger. And if you go through a couple of weeks where it's awkward to get to the point where teams don't feel like they have as much leverage over you, that awkwardness is worth it. So I, you go back to our podcast from a couple of months ago or weeks ago, or I really have no frame of reference on time anymore. But we never you know, did, though. No, we never did, but especially not in this saga. Um, you know, there was... Is it, is it more uncomfortable for the Sixers if he comes back or stays? A lot of that depends on how he reacts when he comes here. And that's still sort of true. The only difference is now we're on the doorstep of finding out how he's going to act. And there could be a, a way where this helps the Sixers pretty substantially. It helps them get through these next couple of months. But he, it could also, like, this was always where he potentially, if he played his cards the right way, from his the right way from his perspective, he could, he could, he could force his way off the easiest. Um, you know, I'm just I, laughing. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna help them. I mean, he's, they need him. They need his defense and all that stuff, but it could blow up in their face because this is going to be crazy. Sorry. They could. They could. He's, but he's objectively like going to help them if, if he is even like you said, like 75, 80% bought in. Yes. Yeah. He will help. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I truthfully don't know my guess is this will be super awkward here for the first couple of days or weeks it'll be super awkward when the fans get on him the first time he's back and remain like i don't expect the fans to necessarily die down and, and and settle down i think the next couple of months will not be a pleasant time for him in philadelphia but i think i, I look I, I i think he's going to be here until december at least and i think him coming back was always yep. going to have to like I, here, here here's i guess where i'll pivot to are you surprised that they caved so quickly? No. Once the, the Sixers held the money in, in escrow and, and started chipping away, he lost a million dollars. You know, that's but that's not pleasant. Well, no, but I think the other thing that maybe Rich Paul and Ben Simmons did not anticipate here, it's like you said, whether he's here, whether he's not here, he was not getting traded for a couple of months. He's just not. No, so, he wasn't. But they knew that before. So- well, I just think they handled it really poorly. I mean, I, I just, it doesn't have much of an explanation here. It seems like they, 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 they never fully committed to being a pain in the ass. Like they sort of tried to put their toe into being the villain, like sort of test the waters, rattle the cage a little bit. But when you look at where they had leverage, I had leverage on, you know, on a um, media day and the first day of training camp when it was a top national news story and then their leverage was going to sink and there was a, dr- a dip in their leverage and their next leverage would have came if the Sixers struggled out of the gate. If Joel Embiid had an injury that caused him to miss five games, 
if Tyrese Maxey wasn't good enough or ready yet. That's when they would have gotten even more leverage for the Sixers to make a move to try to prevent a season from slipping away. And that might have taken some time, like five games isn't enough. But if, if every loss, every week the Sixers would spend below 500, Ben Simmons would have a little bit more leverage of getting out of Philadelphia early because Daryl would want to build the team that was going to be there for the rest of the year. So if you're going to make the commitment of, I'm not coming day one to camp, I'm going to miss preseason games. I'm surprised that they didn't have, like, it seems like, and look, this is why the, the, the money that you brought up is a reason why holdouts never really last long in the NBA. But if there was going to be, you know, if there was going to be one player who was going to test it, it would be that player who had four years left on the contract because you really had to take that next step if you wanted to get your way. The Sixers had less incentive to move him early in training camp because there was so much time on the contract. If you're going to dip your toes into, like I said, being a pain in the ass, I just thought he was going to have a little bit more resolve, which doesn't mean I expected him to sit out until December or just expect him to sit out all year. But like, two preseason games and he's back. Like I just, I just thought it was going to drag out. I thought this was the end result I expected. I just expected to drag out longer. And that's fair. I mean, I think they, in their own way, they went for the clean escape. They went for it all. And for a lot of reasons, here's one of the reasons too. I don't think the Sixers are going to suck at the level that he needed to put a ton of pressure. They're not going to be, they weren't going to be as good. I don't know, man. You, you watch Embiid play for a couple minutes. It's like, yeah, they're they're going to win more games than they lose. They just sure. they just are. Uh, so that was part of it, I think. And I really just think they went for it. They they made up every story they could find, every reason to make it as uncomfortable as possible. And Ben Simmons' ideal scenario was get me out of here. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And what recent NBA history said, like he tried for the for the prison break, Philadelphia, his own prison. He needs to do the Shawshank thing where you just you just keep <laughs> chipping away. You got to climb through a little bit of shit. All that stuff. Like, it, it, it's got to be uncomfortable. That That is the way that this works. And I really do think they realize, all right, well, he's not getting traded for a few months. So he's losing. You said it. He's losing a Ferrari a day. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I always thought this was the way he had the best chance of, of, of applying pressure on the Sixers was showing up. But if I was advising him, I would have been like, be there from day one. Get your money. Be a pain in the ass. Okay, like, but do you think do you think there's a chance that he was like, no, I don't want to do that. I yeah, don't no, want to do that. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think which is not which is not the worst thing in the world, honestly. Because no, I don't think he's I don't think he's a huge confrontation guy. Um, no, which is bad in some ways. It doesn't help on the basketball court, but in terms of just I don't want this awkward workplace. Okay, I, I get that. Yeah, but my, I, I guess my overall point is like the the, the strategy that they use. Um, Either they had to fully commit to a, a holdout and give it a couple more weeks to see if the Sixers struggled, or they had to show up and be a pain in the ass. All they really did accomplish here was they cost Ben a little bit of money and a lot of fan sentiment, a lot of fan sentiment. Not that he had a whole lot on his side to begin with, but he certainly doesn't now. No, this thing, this thing's not well executed at all from from Simmons' side. It's just no way. And the Sixers were in the unique position where. I bet you there were a couple front offices in the league where if Rich Paul and Clutch tried this, it would have worked. Maybe maybe these teams didn't have another star-level player, so they actually would have been worried about, oh, man, if we suck, you know, whatever. Uh, 
Sixers were in a unique spot, and they were, look, to their credit, they were pretty confident about, hey, he's going to be back here. Doc said that a lot over the the last few weeks. He was right. Uh, I'm just wondering now, now that he's back, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? We will see. Joel, as as Joel Embiid said, it's a good thing for the organization. Yeah. So that's where we stand. Um, any other stray thoughts on Simmons and returning and what yeah. we'll see? And... I am really curious to see. And, and look, maybe we won't. Maybe this will all be taken care of uh, behind closed doors. Maybe there will be a truce of some sort. I think he, I mean, I, I don't want to say I think, like you just listen to his comments. Joel Embiid is not a happy camper sure. about this right now. And perhaps the whole team isn't, you know, you kind of heard Danny Green talk about it today, Seth Curry talk about it today. But but I I do think over their careers it's it's a subject we've brought up many a time. Do these guys actually get along together? And I think as we said last week, this has gotten to the point where you know, I I think that's been an overblown subject for a long time. At this point, especially when they use Joel as a a reason why why Ben wants out. He he is I think annoyed in a way that he has not been with with Ben Simmons uh in a long time. While he also will mention that he helps the team as well. So I don't know. I Doc has been very confident that hey, you know, players will get over this really quickly. They just want to win games, all of these things. We'll see. We'll see. The NBA is you know, re- recent years there's been a lot of drama that is uh that has sunk teams. So, it, you know, it's not, it's not as easy as they can just go their separate ways. I mean, may, maybe they can find a, an understanding of some sort, but, but I do think this chemistry dynamic really, even if Ben does try, it, it is something that's another variable here that, that could really submarine this. Yeah. But it, if he doesn't try, it could submarine it even, even quicker and even more oh. drastically. Like if, if Joel Embiid's sitting there watching him, you know, give 50% effort. Uh, that's when you could get a, a blow up. Um, and I agree with like doc tried this week, tried to paint it as well. Players recognize this is a business get over it. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, your star player just a week ago called it disrespectful. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and look, maybe Joel Embiid, like Joel Embiid certainly, I think understands that Ben coming back could theoretically be good for the team, make the most of it. Um, but Joel Embiid, I think to think that he doesn't have any thoughts and emotions about this would be naive. And if there's one player on the team, you know, maybe Tobias Harris will be like, Hey, this is a business. I hold nothing against him. Maybe Danny Green will. Who knows? All it takes is Joel Embiid to not be on that side and you've got an issue. So we will uh yeah. It, and it I is... and I don't want to say that Tobias Harris is gonna get over it right away either. Cause I don't know. I don't know. Oh what no, this I was is just like. that was just an example of a hypothetical for sure. For sure. But yeah, I don't know. Like, especially if you're a now. Look, I think on the Sixer side for this is if they get Joel Embiid on board, would feel like everybody else would fall in line. It's a young team. It's a lot of young players. I don't think Ben was an unpopular player on the Isaiah team. Joe. Probably doesn't care about what Ben he Simmons did. He doesn't care. Yeah. And if I was Isaiah Joe, I wouldn't give a shit either. So I, I think that's that's fine. Uh, but yeah, you got to get Joe on board. It's just it's it's that simple. Joe Embiid, not Isaiah Joe clarify that as you all know by now we've teamed up with bet mgm this season we'll be using the bet mgm lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet 
Use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TA Basketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic Plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, you want to pivot to basketball? What an idea, a basketball podcast pivoting to basketball. Yeah, let's do it. So as we said at the top of the podcast briefly, a let's see, where's the score? I don't have the score up. I should have it was 105-94. Am I getting that right off the top of my head? 125 to 113 win over the Raptors. Okay, and then one fifteen to one oh four. Oh, it was ten minus ten on both you're, of those. You're close. Uh. You're close. Um I guess we're not gonna go through each game because it's preseason. People are in and out of lineup. Overall thoughts and impressions, what has stood out to you over those two games? So let's preface this. I said this last time, but I'm going to quote Seth Curry from today. The preseason is not real basketball. So uh, not predicting a parade down Broad Street in uh, seven months or eight months, whatever it is. Maybe there's a parade, but not not a Sixers parade. They can always have a parade for other stuff. Uh, They look good. And they looked good in a way that it was noticeable that Ben Simmons was not there. It looked, I don't know, you watch those games. There's a lot of space out there. Yeah. There's a lot of shooting out there. Now, look, I'm going to preface everything we say that that Brooklyn Nets team did not give one shit about playing defense. Not one (laughs) shit. Um, So we do have to, but yes, that especially that first quarter when, when, Embiid was going to work. Do you feel like now with Isaiah Joe, if he's part of the rotation, you can't just say Joe? I feel like everyone will get which Joe we're talking about. But when Embiid was going to work and he had, you know, four just dead eye shooters around him in Isaiah Joe, Furkan Korkmaz, Danny Green, and George Niang, he was having his way. He was having his way. And both of those perimeter players played out of their mind against the Nets. Like just yeah. absolutely out of their mind. What we had, Isaiah Joe, I think had 20 points on six of nine shooting. Furkan Korkmaz, 27, 27. on 11 of 19. The two Cork. of them combined to shoot nine of 17 from three point range. That won't happen every night. Although I feel like with it Isaiah won't. Joe, it might. Isaiah Joe, I don't know. I haven't seen him miss a shot yet. Um, but yeah, that certainly helps. And also the, the Nets' complete indifference towards defense helps. But yeah, they, that 
They look good. Embiid with space. space. Who would have thought Embiid with space looks good? I don't think we have seen Embiid, though, with uh, with space, like with a current Embiid, right? I, I don't think we've seen for – maybe there was some last year. There were some tough games without Ben, but I, I, it's kind of like I want to watch this version of Embiid that's facing people up from the three-point line that has all of these new tricks in his bag. Just I mean, it's like it's like they're playing five out. You know, he catches the ball at the top of the key with four shooters, and it's it's pretty deadly. I, uh, I you're right though. The Nets were playing bad defense. The uh, the, the thing I I will say is that uh, they definitely play more aesthetically pleasing basketball without Ben oh, sure. Simmons. Sure. And, and I I do wonder because again they didn't even have any point guards in that game. You know, they're, Isaiah Joe is not a point guard. Cork is not a point guard. Uh, I think there's a chance if Ben didn't play, the offense might have been okay. I, I'm not, you know, especially with, you know, those backup, like maybe stick Maxi on a backup unit and play with Niang and Drummond, who I think both played, they both look good. They've had good preseasons as well. Uh, I, they they would have been okay. They would not have been a one seed, but but I just think this team... There's enough with with the system. There's enough institutional knowledge from last year. They they would have been okay. And I, the other story is that, you know, like let's say Ben returns. If you would have told me before the preseason, Isaiah Joe was the twelfth man. He needs to play. Yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. I'm right there. <clears throat> He's got to play. Like in in New Orleans in a week. I guess that's a week from now. I don't know who you're taking out of the rotation. Is it Shake and Cork? If, if Ben isn't there, maybe you only have to take one of them out. He's got to get minutes. That dude bombs threes. Not, and not only does he do that, he's showing some off-the-bounce stuff. He had three dimes to Drummond in pick and roll. Now, I don't think you want him doing that a crazy amount, but first off, that bodes well for the future. It's a good player development story now. But you just need that three point shooting, whether Simmons is here or not. He fits perfectly with Simmons too. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, he's got to play. He, yeah, who he plays. I, he's really my number one takeaway of the preseason is that he, I think, needs to be in that rotation. We need to see what he can do, not only in games that matter, uh, but also in day in day out. Like, can he keep that consistency going? Can he hold up defensively against enough matchups? You know, I think his shot is very legit. And he's he's a, a more consistent shooter than Korkmaz. He has a lot of diversity to his shot that just impresses me every time I watch it. Off a catch, off a screen, one dribble pull up, sidestep, in transition, whatever, what have you. He has that in his arsenal. And the combination of that and he's been a much better defender than I expected. Now, look, he came in, I think, at like 6'3", 170 at the Combine. I think he's listed at 175 now. I'm not buying that even a little bit. I've stood next to the dude. He does not weigh 175 pounds. But he moves his feet better than I expected when they drafted him. He His defensive fundamentals, I think, are solid. He competes. He's got decent enough length. He has enough in there. Look, if James Harden really cared, would he have just lowered his 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 shoulder and gave him a forearm and been at the rim? Yeah, sure. He did. He did it once, by the way. Isaiah Joe, like I've said, 
he flies back like the Matrix when somebody <laughs> yeah. puts his uh, puts their shoulder in. So look, am I saying he can play thirty minutes? No, like he needs to just eat everything in sight for a couple of years before he can do that. But I think he should be in that rotation, and selectively, I think he can not only hold up defensively, but as long as there's not a matchup that can exploit him, I don't think he's going to be somebody that's going to be. I would rather have somebody like him who physically can't compete than someone like Korkmaz who's slow-footed but might have a chance of holding his own physically. Not that Korkmaz is a you know bastion of strength or anything, but you you know what I mean. I'd rather have Joe's limitations. Um. <laughs> Corkmaz loses his spot and he, he challenges him to a bench press competition. <laughs> yeah. Which would which be he, uh, which he would win. He would win. I'm not sure if he'd get uh, too many more, but he'd win. Long arms with bench pressing can be uh, can be tough too. It wouldn't shock me if that is not Cork's strength. But I think Cork is physically a little bit stronger. Just because I think pretty much everyone that steps on an NBA court is physically stronger than Isaiah Joe. But I think he absolutely needs I think he brings more overall and more consistency. And I don't even think it's going to be, I don't think it comes like we compare those two because they're both shooters, but like if shake Milton doesn't get his shit together and Ben Simmons is back and Tyrese Max is now back a point guard. I think shake Milton should be looking over his shoulder too. Um, I think no, he know, should be, he should be looking ahead. Yeah. His shoulder. That yeah. Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe can look at his shoulder, but shake Milton's there. Right. Keep right. Going. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting. I think I a hundred percent agree with you. I think Isaiah Joe has to be in that rotation. Uh, at least to try it out, see whether or not he sticks. And I quite frankly think he will. I think his, look, shooting is so important. And I was listening to Daryl Moore. He was on a conference. Uh, I forget, Stats Bomb, I think it was. Uh, I should probably look that up. I think it was like Stats Bomb, something of that sort, with uh, with our old buddy Seth Part now, uh, helping with the conference. Um, but he was talking about how, you know, three-point shooting is still sort of like the league inefficiency. And... You know, he sort of, it annoys him a little bit. I'm paraphrasing here, but that with how much that three point shot is worth, it's tough to find a league with a diversity of strategy and how even still, when you factor in all of the qualifications, teams still probably aren't shooting enough. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but like that three point shot is not something he's forgotten about just because he now has a post up center. And when you look at how Daryl Moore wants to play, how he values players and which quite frankly, what would play well off of Joel Embiid? Isaiah Joe with that deep range, that quick trigger, and that diversity of shots to get that three-point shot off. I think he has to play. I think he has to play. I think he has a chance to be a future starter if he keeps this shit up. 100%. 100%. You, you cannot, anyone who can shoot at a high level is going to have a chance, especially if they even have a prayer of knowing what to do defensively. I mean, again, you're right. He He does have some diverse shooting some of that's off the bounce too so that's interesting especially if he can pass it a little bit but i mean there's a reason i i thought it was funny he was being guarded by joe harris and i wonder if he went to joe harris how much you get paid after this one because i might get paid something like that in a few years if if i develop into this type of shooter and it was last year we saw a lot of this it was just exciting to see in the g league I guess he had a little bit of a cameo when the whole team was hit by COVID mm-hmm. there, during the early parts of the year. But, you know, in Summer League and then in the G League, it was just exciting to look up. Okay, he played what? He played 27 minutes and that's 12 attempted threes? Wow. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Seemed like he could have taken more, too. So far on the preseason, he has 19 three-point attempts in 75 minutes. That 19 attempts is second on the team to Cork Maz. 
um, who's actually played fewer minutes. Corkman has more three-point attempts per, per minute, but he leads with 12 three-pointers made. Second on the team is Corkman's with half. He, Isaiah Joe is shooting 63.2%. And again, is he going to shoot well, 60% from three? No, of course not. But I have no doubt that if you give him a season's worth of attempts, he'll hit 40% of them. I have almost no doubt. Well, and that was the question last year, though, because a lot of times you would look up at those numbers and it would be like 36%, 38%. It's like, okay, the, the volume is there. The, the diversity of shooting is there. The, the form is there. It's just a nice looking shot. He gets it off pretty quickly, too. A- everything is good. You just got to make him pass that 40% threshold or something like that. And, uh, okay, yeah, he's not going to shoot 60%, but he's, he's got a little bit of wiggle room to... uh to maneuver down there, and uh, he's he's just got to play. He just has to play because I think you add him in, I, I see a path to being a much more consistent player than what they got from a lot of these bench guys with Cork, with Shake. These guys, these guys can go absolutely berserk in a game or two. We've seen it, berserk. This seems to me like a guy who can go semi berserk for a lot of games. In a row. Yeah, and that's important. And when he's not going berserk, he doesn't lose his mind like Shake. Which is which is good, uh, and yeah, and Corkmaz yeah. too. Like you don't see Isaiah Joe out there with the random behind the back passes in traffic. Which is look, I, I we were talking about this last game. I love Cork. Like he is entertaining. I like the way he plays basketball when it works. Um, I like that they mostly, signed him for five million dollars too. I think that's perfectly reasonable, even if he is out of the rotation. That's yeah. He, he he's good enough to play in an NBA rotation. Yep. Uh, and and like I said, he just he's he's an enjoyable person but uh i do think that isaiah joe has a chance to be look i think he can impact the game more when even when it's not his shot's not falling um just because i think he moves more off ball has a little more gravity when especially when he starts getting reputation i think he's gonna have some gravity a little bit better of a passer a little better of a decision maker uh cork has some flair to him but again he'll he'll make some some bonehead decisions which we haven't really seen from isaiah joe and i i think joe right now is a better defender uh i i should be in the rotation for sure that is my main takeaway from uh a preseason that more or less is not, it's sort of like been a distraction in the preseason and most of the regular players aren't there anyway. Uh, that and Joel Embiid looks really good at basketball still, which is important. Yeah, it was a good eight minutes last game. <laughs> yeah. What do you have, like 14 and eight minutes? 14 and three in eight minutes. And yeah, uh, yeah if you uh, if you were wondering, we, we did not get to see last year, we talked about can they... Can they press the size advantage against the Nets in a playoff series? Well, we didn't get a chance to see that because the Nets got hurt and the Sixers pooped their pants in the playoff series. But I think in a couple of weeks, like on uh what's that? A week and a half from now, the home opener. Yep. I think there's a chance they're gonna be able to press their size advantage against the Nets, even if the Nets are trying a little harder. Yeah, which we allegedly won't now get to see Kyrie playing. We thought that would be Kyrie's season debut, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I have too many other main takeaways from Drummond. Looks good for what he is. Um, yeah. Again, as long as you're not trying to throw the ball to him, the he, foul line extended area, and asking him to create like a little less of that. He's going to do at least one ridiculous thing, maybe per half. Honestly. Sure, but he's he's been good in the preseason. has a has a little more juice um, athletically than I think he's given credit for. Uh, like yeah. he's clearly, you're not going to want him defending in space, and that's going to be an issue when we get to the playoffs. But in terms of being able to elevate around the rim, he's he's really good, really good offensive rebounder. He's been he's been good. George Yang, um, I like him. I like the hustle. 
He can shoot the heck out of the ball. Not going to win any speed contests, but, you know, if you can make 45% from three and you're available for a couple million dollars, there's probably a reason for that. But I like him as a as a fit. Um, more or less, people have looked like, I think, what we expect. A lot of injuries. A lot we of will, injuries. Uh, you know, are, are these going to be long-term? What did they have? They had Shake, Tyrese, Tobias, and Matisse. No, one of those played. No, no, those were all, those guys were all out. And Grant Riller was out as well. We'll see whether any of them are available for the preseason finale on Friday. But yeah, they are not the healthiest team at this stage. Not that any of those are serious. I mean, Grant had surgery, um, of course, but he he was at least he, he was I think going through shooting drills. Not for how far out he is, but um, none of them should be serious. But who knows? I mean, we we talk about Ben Simmons potentially helping the team if he's trying. Doc said it before the other game. Somebody was like, "What's your point guard situation tonight?" And he said, "Well, we don't have any." Yeah. And the reason we don't they didn't have any is because Maxie and Shake were both out, and Shake is he's kind of a point guard. I mean, he's kind of an emergency break class point guard, but not for this team. He's their backup point guard because they have nobody else. And you know how we know they don't have anybody else. Their third point guard would probably have been Grant Reeler, who mm-hmm. was also out. So. Yeah, Simmons being back, you know, as much as I said, eh, maybe they're going to be a better offense. If you don't have a point guard, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I, it's, just, it's like Sixers basketball. I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I no, I mean, look, gonna... we've we've been pretty consistent that Ben is a big positive in a, in the regular season. Um, who knows whether or not that will be the case if he's not trying. Uh, it would certainly be great to get a little more spacing around that. It wasn't entirely Ben's fault getting Isaiah Joe in a rotation. If he's that level of a shooter, it will help whether Ben is on the court or not. But it would be great to see one or two more dead-eye shooters. For sure. All right. Uh, I think that's probably just about all that I have. Yeah. One more tune-up game and a whole lot more of the circus to go. But we have regular season basketball here coming up. Until then, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.